Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Well, I'm going to do maybe one of the meanest things I could possibly do this morning. As you uh, smell the good food from across the way um, and your stomach is growling, I'm going to talk about potluck lunch. So apologies in advance. Um, But I want to talk about some principles um, regarding potluck, getting together and sharing a meal together. Not only what is the purpose of it, but then some lessons that I pray that we can learn together from this. Um, So I have almost 50 years of experience with potluck, so um, I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, I uh, heard one comedian one time that kind of talking about churches like ours, he said, y'all can't seem to have a meeting without eating. And in some ways, I think in our fellowship, that's uh, perhaps the truth. Um, but what is the purpose? Why do we get together and share a meal? I'm grateful to Jacob for reading out of Acts chapter 2 this morning. I want to go back to that passage and pick up there in verses 44 through 47, where Scripture says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we see here in the first century church, in the earliest church that you might imagine, uh, Peter and the apostles had just preached to the Jews of the time who had been um, party to crucifying Christ and preached the gospel that this was the Messiah, God's son, whom they had um, wanted dead, that they had murdered, that they had been part of that. And so the gospel was preached, the good news about how that they could have their sins washed away. And he told them to repent and to be baptized, to have remission of sins. And there were thousands who responded to that message um, when he told them, this is what God wants you to do. And so in the early church, as people were being saved, as they were being added to the church, we see this kind of commonality, um, this idea of, Here it says they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They studied together and they broke bread from house to house. Um, And we see that this is something that they were involved in in a daily fashion, sharing a meal together. Sharing a meal with someone really allows for fellowship. This is a joint participation that speaks to relationship. It speaks to the opportunity to bond together. Uh, Certainly, uh, there are lots of ways that you can do that, not just in sharing a meal together, but coming around a table together, breaking bread is a special way to grow our love, to create and strengthen relationships in the church. Now, I want to be very clear that I don't believe the only time the church should break bread together is at a potluck here at the building. So in this passage, we see that how people went from house to house. And I think that's an important part of what the church needs to do, that we need to be in each other's homes. We need to spend time together outside just maybe once or twice a month when we have a common meal here together. Yet I want to look at this specifically about when we come together as the church and when we have a potluck lunch together. Um, because I believe that all of this, the purpose behind it, as we think about these things, um, we're going to talk about um, in this passage, 
It's about fellowship and sharing, a commonality, and it's about love. In in the first century, as we read this passage in Acts chapter 2, it seems, it doesn't seem, there was a genuine concern, one for each other, um, that we see there. There was a readiness to help and to share. In, in that time, they had all things in common. There were many who were suffering need. And when I say need, they had nothing or very little, perhaps. And so part of the function of people coming together and sharing a meal together was to be able to provide for those who didn't have much to eat. Others had abundance. Some had little. And this was an opportunity for them to help one another. We see also in the book of Acts, as we read on, that there were many widows who had no family, no help. And so the church was called on to meet their need to literally serve them food, to make sure that they had something to eat. And so in some sense, we see this idea of commonality. Not because I think that you came to potluck because you literally had zero at home in your fridge, or you had nothing in your pantry or nothing in your cupboard, but there are some who have less and some who have more. And that certainly was the case in the first century. Um, They didn't want anyone to lack or to be in need and to suffer from that. They did this with gladness, cheerfully, with glad and generous hearts, I think, as we read this morning. We see a great sense of togetherness there. It helps build love and relationship, them being together and sharing a meal. Love for each other caused them to seek out this fellowship, I believe. We know love isn't merely an emotion. This was evident in the New Testament church. They ate together. They spent time together. Love was a practical activity in which they were involved. And I think we see all of these themes as we come together and share a meal as a church, face-to-face, sitting at the table across from each other, breaking bread, relationship, community. And this is a wonderful blessing. So now that we thought just a little bit about kind of the purpose behind why do we get together and have meals? Why, when we have a meeting, do we go to Eaton? Um, and and it, it, it has a lot to it. But I want to reflect very specifically on some principles that I think that we can learn from when we get together and eat a lunch together, as we're going to do, Lord willing, here in a moment. The first one I'm going to look, look at is this idea of where do you go in line? Okay, so there's a potluck lunch, and this is how it works. If you're not familiar with potluck lunch, I'm sure you are, right? (laughs) There's a line, and you go through, and you fill your plate, and you find a seat. That's how it works. When I was a kid, my dad made sure that every single time there was potluck lunch, us kids in his family were dead last. Every time. No, Every time there was lunch together with the church, the Hayes kids went last. And I will admit and confess to you, I did not appreciate that as a kid. Not my favorite thing. But I do want to publicly admit and confess, if he's listening, thank you, Dad. I learned a great lesson from that. I didn't appreciate it. And in the moment, I didn't even enjoy it. And in the moment, I might have mumbled under my breath a lot. 
But fast forward and I see the principle. You know, when we get together about once a month, when we have a potluck lunch, we typically will read the anniversaries and the birthdays of the people um, from that particular month. We kind of note that together. And then what do we do? We say, okay, those with birthdays and anniversaries get to go first. We want our elderly to go first. We want our visitors to go first. Why do we do that? Why do we single out anyone for any reason and say they ought to go first? Because the rest of us honor them. We respect them. We show them love by saying, I'm going to stand back and after you, you go first. I think we see this principle throughout Scripture. No, these passages aren't in context about potluck lunch, all the ones we're going to use. But I want to just think about some biblical principles that apply to these things as we talk together. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself, is what we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Have you ever elbowed someone out of the way to get in front of them in the line or to cut? Now, probably it didn't happen at potluck lunch. Maybe the cafeteria at the school or right, maybe some other place um, with your brothers or your sisters, right? You behave a little more rudely with those folks. You kind of jockey for position. This should never be the case with us, with people in the church or with people in the world. What we do is we esteem others better than ourselves. So we want to make sure that we're not seeking our own, but we're seeking the welfare of another. We honor and respect you, and we want to put you in a position to make sure that you get something that you want and that you are shown love by that is some of where you go in line at potluck lunch to make sure you get some of that one thing that you like before anyone else does. Maybe it's that extra crispy KFC chicken leg, right, that you were really eyeing, and that's why you've got to be first. Well, consider others. Put others first. Love your neighbor. Now, okay, so when we go over there, Lord willing, in a little while and we eat, someone's got to go first. So please understand, no one's going to be judging you if you're first today because we talked about don't be first. Okay, someone's got to do it. But please keep this principle in mind always in our lives, but certainly as it relates to potluck. How can I help you? Um, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you ever step back and think about all that goes into a potluck lunch? All the preparation, right? All the the people that made things to bring and all the, the time that they had to spend in thinking of what they're going to bring and then going to the grocery store and buying the things, the money that was made to purchase those items, and then the time and effort and energy it takes to make that, to bring it so that you could enjoy it. 
And you probably did the same thing. There's time and effort and energy that goes into this. Do you think about this? Do you think about the people who make the tea and the lemonade? Do you think about the people who clean up after you if you're not involved in that? Do you think of all of these things, all of the people who, as part of this event that we're a part of, are serving and are helping? So my question to you is, do you come to potluck lunch to take or to give? Do you come to be served or to serve? There are ample opportunities for each and every one of us to take a part in helping and serving when there's a potluck lunch. Certainly, we talked about some of those things. Cooking, setting up, cleaning up, just helping. Um, Maybe someone has their hands full and has a small child. Not maybe, going to happen. Help out. Maybe there's an elderly person that has their hands full. You could go get them a drink. Um, There are lots of you who, who... afterwards bring a trash bag around so we don't even have to walk over to the trash can. Thank you for doing those things. Those things are noticed. All of these things. And we could outline so many of them. Opportunity after opportunity for you to serve, not just to sit back and watch someone else serve. So how are you helping? What can you do? Sharing is caring. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, we see here the church distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now again, I believe that hospitality is something that is very much a part of what we do in our individual homes and having people in and out of our homes. That's a wonderful blessing. But there's also time and opportunity for us to enjoy hospitality, for us to bring and to help and to share and to serve by all of us coming together, for instance, when we have a potluck meal, um, distributing to the needs of the saints, thinking about those who are in need and being willing to share. So this idea of sharing and this commonality and this fellowship and this community that we see in a meal together like that, you have to think about, again, some of the time and effort and energy that went into making this happen. Has anyone ever had Kim Kessler's lasagna? I I pray we're going to have some of that. Yeah, a little bit later. She nods yes. Um, um, I don't see him here this morning, but if you haven't ever had Noah Bridges focaccia bread, I was about to say get in line early, but no, I already said you're not supposed to do that. Um, But um, it's awesome. And that isn't something that he just runs to the store and buys it and it just, right, magically appears on the table. Um, one of our college students. The Joneses salsa or frittata or Mary Taylor's chicken dumplings, right? We're talking about things that are prepared, cooked with love because people want to share. They want to give to others. They want to bless others, right? That's love. These are principles that we need to um, ruminate on. We need to meditate on these things. We need to think about how can we be that person? How can we share? How can we help? And that's not just about potluck lunch. That's about every day of our life. But it's a principle that I think we can see when we have a fellowship meal together. What about a simple thanks? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, have you taken the time 
to thank all of those who help. Right? You know the ones who pitch in over and over time and again, uh, depending on if it's before or after or during, whatever. You know right now, if you've been at a potluck meal here, you know those people who are going to be serving. You can point out when and where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing because that's who they are. Have you gone out of your way to simply thank them for that service? Have you ever been thankful to God for the abundance in there? Now, sometimes it becomes a temptation, right? The abundance of food is also a temptation because we might overeat and we do too much, right? But, but just think about this feast. Literally, this feast that we're going to have and those around us who don't have the plenty and the abundance that we're going to share in because we have this in common. What about just simply the opportunity to be together, to laugh and to enjoy and to share stories and to share scripture and to pray for each other? and to think about all the good that we have, to count our blessings, to think about the purpose for why we do this, to be thankful for the church, for the opportunity to be a part of it, to share in all of this, in everything give thanks. This is what we are to do. On the other hand, sometimes you may wake up and you go, oh man, it's potluck again. Um... Why is there never anything I like there? Um, who ate the last of that yummy salad? I can't believe that I didn't get any. Why is the dessert that I want always gone? Right? We could go on and on about all of the unthanks that we give. The opposite of gratitude. But what an opportunity for us in this moment as it should be in everything, that we pause and reflect and we give thanks for all the big things and every single little thing because every good and every perfect gift comes from God. What did you bring is the next thing we want to look at here. If you guys will, there you go. Uh, what did you bring? Now, I specifically want to talk about attitude. Um, when we talk about what did you bring in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. So let each one of you, each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So as we come together, as we share, as we talked about, um, I think it's also important for us to think about the attitude with which we approach this opportunity. Not only the opportunity that it allows for us to give, to help, to serve, as we've talked about, but to do that cheerfully, to purpose in our hearts so that we don't hold tightly, but rather we share generously. Um, if we think back to Scripture, Jesus talks about the widow with two mites, and I think our brother Travis recently mentioned. You remember how that people were going into the temple and there was the treasury and there were all of these rich people that were giving big amounts of money into the treasury. And that's a great thing. People that have a bunch, be able to give a bunch. What a blessing. We have people like that. But Jesus singled out the widow woman who gave two mites 
Um, these days, uh, maybe that's, we're talking about pennies. I, I don't even know if people use pennies anymore, right? That's how almost worthless they are, right? It, 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 little value, little that there is there. But this was all that that woman had, and she gave it all because that was her attitude. Because it's not necessarily about the quantity, right? It's about the quality. Sometimes we have an abundance when we get together and we share that. Sometimes maybe we have little or nothing and we find what we need. Um, If you have ever brought something and you thought of those people who didn't literally bring anything and you don't really want them having what you brought because they don't deserve it, then you probably ought to just leave your stuff at home because that's the wrong way to go about it. Um, What attitude do you bring to a fellowship meal as you think of all these things that we've talked about? The next thing I want to consider is um, where you sit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, for you are still are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? James chapter 2, verse 1 says this, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. So I want you to think about these passages and these biblical principles and apply them to where you physically sit at a fellowship meal. Is it always around the same people? When you're trying not to make eye contact with the other people because you're afraid maybe they'll sit at your table and you didn't really want them to because you got to have those assigned seats and you you know, kind of had in mind how this was supposed to go? Well, this is supposed to be a fellowship meal, not a click party. Right? It's supposed to be an opportunity for us to share together, to fellowship, to have in common. And I'm not bagging on you this morning if you have kind of where you like to sit and you generally sit with the same people. Please do not misunderstand me. But all of these things that in some ways are very physical, There is no reason whatsoever that we can't apply spiritual principles to them and grow spiritually in this way. So who are you going to sit with today? I'm not going to keep score. I'm not tracking it. You don't have to report to me or the elders or the deacons or anyone else. Just asking you a question. Is this seat taken? Consider that. Consider that we don't be a merely human person, (laughs) that we just want things the way we want them, that we divide up, that we split and we splinter, and that we have partiality, that we'd much rather prefer to sit with them because that person, they do, you know them, right? Wrong attitude. So let's think about how we can grow together in love and strengthen our bonds and relationship as we enjoy a meal together across the way. Finally, I want to look at this passage in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Down in, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Down in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So I want you to think and to reflect on missed opportunity. Reflect on what you miss when you aren't a part of a fellowship meal that has been planned and prepared. In, in this passage, in this setting, what it was it that the Apostle Thomas missed? Well, in this moment, Thomas missed the opportunity to be with the risen Savior, the one who had been crucified, and they were, they were scared and concerned about what's next, and here Jesus appears, risen from the dead. He missed being with the Savior. Thomas missed fellowship with the saints who were there together, who were there to help strengthen each other's faith, to band together, the opportunity to have the peace that Jesus wanted them to have and love. Now, Thomas saw Jesus later. I'm grateful that he was given that opportunity. But in this moment, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus came. What do you miss out on when you miss the opportunity to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Reflect on the things that you miss if you aren't there. These are things that we deeply need when we're honest, when we look into Scripture and God knows our needs better than we do. That's why He provides opportunities for us. And this is one of many that help us grow. So don't miss out. Make sure that you're there, that you have the opportunity to connect to these things and to be a part. Because it gets back to this very simple idea. Fellowship, sharing, commonality, love. So I want you to think for a moment as we close, if this potluck that we're about to have hinged completely on you, if the success or failure of this potluck hinged on you, your presence, your attitude, your service, so on and so forth, how good would this potluck be? I also want us to realize that it's possible for us to look at things that are physical and understand all the ways in which they can be and should be spiritual. We can look around us at so many examples like this. And I want to be careful that I'm not trying to overstate a potluck's importance, okay? But I want to tell you what I believe from all my heart, that this is bigger than lunch, brothers and sisters. It just is. So what do we bring? How do we approach it? Do we come together with um, gladness of heart as they did in the first century? I pray that that's the joy that you find when we come together as a church, not only to worship, but when we come together to fellowship, when we come together to share a common meal and to enjoy that. If you have a need in your life that the church can help with, that's what we're here for. Because we are here to help one another. We are here to help strengthen each other's faith, to share. We have things in common. And because we love, we want to serve. 
And you may have a spiritual need that the church should be made aware of. This is an opportunity for you to do that. It does not happen to have, have to happen in a public assembly. You can let the elders know if you have a need. But make sure if you have a need that you express it so that the church can meet that. So God can meet your need through the church, us being used by him. If you need to name the name of Christ this morning, you have not done so. We'd ask that you come forward and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Dot com.